Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen. The Real Look. Trending News. Today is Wednesday, June 7th. I'm Chase Williams. And I'm Bruce Hardy. And this is the news you need to know. Well, Bruce, the May jobs report came out and is complicating things for the federal government. Obviously, we know the Federal Reserve already had some tough decisions to make as it's meeting later this month, but the May jobs report is not making things any easier. Job growth actually surprised economists yet again in May, with total non-farm payroll employment rising by 339,000 jobs compared to April, according to data released Friday by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So, Bruce, what do you think this job report means for what the federal government may decide later this month when they meet? Well, I think, Chase, you're right. It's got to confound them. They were hoping that those numbers would be much lower. So that would take pressure off the Fed from having to raise the rate. I think that this is just one more nail in the coffin, so to speak. They're going to have to raise the rates, and we're probably going to see a 25 basis point bump. Even though the job openings increased more dramatically than they expected, we actually saw unemployment jump from 3.4% to 3.7%. And by the way, that's exactly what the Fed is trying to accomplish here with their interest rate rises, right? How they cool the economy is, it feels so callous when we talk about it like this, right? We're just talking about numbers. But what you realize is this is people and these are families. But they need to raise the unemployment rate to help slow the economy down. So, yeah, I think this is a fascinating time. And and I'm sort of glad I'm not in their seat, to be quite frank. Well, certainly there's some tough decisions, but we've seen the unemployment rate kind of stay in that 3.4 to 3.7 since March of 2022. And what that means in layman's terms is that it's been crazy low for quite some time. We know that anything under 4% is typically considered full employment, right? So even though it's changing slightly back and forth, it's still full, it's still very low, and that creates pressure around this idea of inflation, obviously the big word that we've covered extensively on this program, and certainly how that impacts the, the mortgage rates, of course. So yeah, I think they've definitely got their work cut out for them. I certainly don't mind if they earn their keep. I'm like you, I'm happy not to be in their seat. Well, you know, and I think the other piece of data that came out of this, right, was that the construction sector added approximately 25,000 positions. And that was thanks to a large uptick in heavy and civil engineering construction, which added about 10,700 jobs. But a residential building construction added 2,400 jobs during the month. And now, of course, that's good news, right? And we've reported on this, the, the fact that the new home construction market is improving, but we need it to happen faster. There is a little silver lining in there. Hopefully, we'll see more new inventory coming on the market as a result of it. And again, we're still struggling with this uh, shortage of inventory. The other thing I would mention in regards to this jobs report is that it also shows that the wage growth is still increasing 4.3% year over year. And again, that is an indicator of still a very hot or strong economy, and that's the challenge of the federal government. There are a lot of celebrities in the real estate news over the last week. Matter of fact, yeah. uh, one headline says Barbara Corcoran fears bloodbath as bigwigs warn of real estate crash. 
a number of different celebrities, if you will. And by the way, not just celebrities, but those that are invested in real estate are super rich, but understand real estate at a certain level from Elon Musk to Ross Perot Jr., Barbara Corkin, as I mentioned, and Dave Burt. They're having a lot of conversations about a meltdown or a looming real estate recession. A lot of what they're talking about, Bruce, although not entirely, is in relation to the commercial sector of real estate. They're talking about a lot of these commercial buildings that, for an obvious reason regarding COVID and working remotely, have become vacant and are also tied up at really low interest rates in the loans that they have. Now, a lot of our listeners might know that it's common for commercial loans to be refinanced at five or 10-year intervals. And the challenge that some of these commercial buildings that are now, quote unquote, vacant have is that when their refinance timeline comes up in the near future, rates are vastly different than what maybe they were originally financed at. What are your thoughts around some of this commentary coming from these folks and the impact it has on the real estate market? Well, I got to be honest, I, I think it's grossly inappropriate. And what I mean by that is in this day and age, Chase, where social media spreads like wildfire, right? People can say things, whether it's true or not, if it's a massive headline, right, that will spread like wildfire. And my fear is, is that we actually make it real, right? It's not real. I mean, you and I know we talk about this each and every week about what's going on in the market and how we have an absolute shortage of inventory. We've got a lot of pent-up buyers sitting on the sidelines waiting to go. What would cause a meltdown? Well, it would have to be that all of a sudden all of these sellers or homeowners who are financed at 3% or actually what we know is most of them are less than 6% would all put their houses on the market at one time. I just don't see that happening. You may differ in this regard, but I just don't see it happening. Now, granted, I think the commercial office sector, because commercial real estate as a whole has not been impacted. It's just the office. And that's highly visible, right? What we know is warehousing, for example, is a hot commodity right now. Those values continue to go up because vacancies are going down and people don't have enough warehouse space. So I, I think this is an interesting thing for these people to get on there. And to me, it's just a little attention grabbing. It can be. I completely agree with that, Bruce. I also do believe that there's a distinct difference between certain sectors of the real estate, as you mentioned. Office space is in a lot of turmoil right now on the commercial side because of this remote working. Some people are asking their employees to come back. There's been a lot of conversation around the pushback from the employees on doing that. And in some of these major metropolitan markets, there is a lot of vacant office space. Now, does that mean that there's a pending meltdown in the commercial sector? No, not necessarily. Is there a, a legitimate challenge that exists there? Without a doubt. With every challenge comes opportunity. The people that come along and figure out how to repurpose office space yeah. into something that's otherwise functional and commercial stand to make billions of dollars. So we should be those guys, right? And ultimately, regardless of the ebb and flow of the real estate market, there's always going to be people looking for opportunity like that. I'm going to read you a quote from Barbara Corcoran in relation to the residential market. She said, right now, what everyone's afraid of is the high interest rates. But the minute those interest rates come down, all hell's going to break loose and prices are going to go through the roof, Corcoran said. The house prices, I would not put it by the housing market that prices go up by 20%. We could have COVID all over again. And by COVID, she means the rate of increase of residential home values. Now, again, 
that's a pretty dramatic statement. I don't know if that's likely to happen either. And yet I think it does differentiate between what you're seeing in a certain sector of commercial real estate versus what we're generally talking about, which is the residential side. Home buyers and sellers are in a lot less flux than empty office space because someone's got to live in those houses. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to me, it's just a confounding story. Chase, you and I have talked about this. We believe that there's a recession on the horizon. I really think that the Fed is trying everything they can to have a soft landing. I don't know that we're going to have that. I think that we're still going to have to have a recession to correct the economics in this country. That's going to impact us all, right? I mean, as, as a country, as an industry, as individual realtors. But it's not going to be a meltdown of the housing industry. It, it really isn't. Not in my mind. What we're going to see, though, is, and we're already seeing it, right, is, is a lack of transactions because of the affordability. For Barbara's prediction to come true, we would have to see rates drop down below 3% again mm-hmm. in order to have that massive rush of demand. Yeah, and that's unlikely, right, Bruce, because of the federal government's policy around getting a hold of inflation, at least in the short term. The two main issues that we talk about constantly, which are probably two of the biggest, is the affordability, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and, of course, the inventory. So this next story, Bruce, deals a little bit with inventory. In essence, it's a House bill that's been proposed that would incentivize home selling in an effort to boost the supply. A duo of bipartisan U.S. House of Representative lawmakers introduced a bill earlier this year that is designed to increase the supply of available homes on the market. In order to do that, Bruce, the proposal is going to increase the sales gain tax exclusion. So gain on the sale of a house excluded from taxes to $500,000 for single filers and $1 million for joint filers. We've talked a little bit in the past, Bruce, about this idea of how can we impact the number of homes coming to market in the supply. And here's one potential proposed bill that would aim to do that. What are your thoughts on that? I think the thought behind it actually is sound. You think about our older homeowners, right, who are looking to transition out, this would be an opportunity for them to cash out of their homes, right, with a lower tax bill. So I think that that's incredible. Again, could it separate some of those people who are rate locked into their home from having to stay there and say, hey, you know, I'm going to take profit while I can and then go do something different? What's behind this is actually pretty good. And, you know, what's interesting is, and of course, you know, the right hand doesn't always talk to the left. But earlier this month, a bipartisan duo in the U.S. Senate introduced a bill that would address a shortage of affordable housing in rural communities by easing the process for nonprofits to acquire properties with USDA rural housing loans. And it would also decouple the related rental assistance so that the assistance doesn't end when the mortgage matures. Again, we've got uh, both houses looking at this problem of a housing shortage and coming at it from a different perspective. What are your thoughts about the Senate bill? Well, I think one interesting thing about both these proposed bills are that they're bipartisan, which seems to almost never happen anymore. So it must mean that there's going to be some general support around the concepts, right? And of course, the concepts are housing, affordable housing, more inventory. They all kind of flow into the same river, if you will. I do think, Bruce, that you know some of these amounts that are tax-exempt haven't been updated since 1997. So currently, single homeowners who sell their home can only exclude 250000 in gains 
and joint filers can exclude 500,000 in gains. And again, 1997 is a long time ago. So it may be a time for an update regardless. And yet we know that one of the ways governments incentivize people to do what they want is through tax breaks. It's not the only way, but it's a popular way, right? So I think it's worth noting, Bruce, that a similar bill was proposed before, didn't make it through the House Ways and Means Committee. That -hmm. was in September of 2022, so not even a year ago. It'll be interesting to see, Bruce, if there's more support around this bill now that you know we've got a little more fatigue around low inventory and what's happening in the housing market. Who knows? I have no doubt the lobbyists will be pushing hard on that. Interestingly, in our neck of the woods in Washington State, Governor Jay Inslee recently signed 10 different bills taking aim at supply and affordability issues, including a bill that lifts single-family zoning restrictions to allow for more affordable housing units, as well as easier accessory dwelling units, or ADUs, permitting and construction within the state. Government has an opportunity to open it up so that we can create more opportunity. And by the way, I mean, that that creates denser housing, which again, is is interesting because as a country, right, I mean, this is a country that was developed on the automobile, right? And that's why we have suburbs like we do and suburban sprawl. It'll be interesting to see how our cities change, right? As time goes forward, will we become more and more like Europe? I don't know. It will be interesting. And you mentioned another method that the government has, right? And that's removing red tape, as some might call it, Bruce, or restriction on what can be done or the density of how much housing can happen in a particular area. So I think it's worth noting because regardless of whether these make it through or actually happen or not, the population and those that are considered leaders in the population are clearly aware of a shortage of available inventory. And they're going at it in multiple methods here, removing red tape, offering tax incentives. And I have no doubt that we're going to continue to either use some of these tried and true methods or even get creative around getting more inventory into the market. Well, the only constant in our business is change. That's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode where we'll interview Robert Renteria with Keller Williams Realty Boise in Boise, Idaho. Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of all things real estate.